Um, there are four cornerstone classes. One of the reasons I ask how many Pathway students are here is every time I teach this class, there's always a good handful of Pathway students who take the class. And let's be honest, tell me why. Why can I expect Pathway students in this class? Any thoughts? You cannot graduate from a church school, including the Pathways program, without taking this class. You can't graduate from BYU if you don't take this class. You can't graduate from any church school, BYU-Idaho, BYU-Hawaii, Enzyme College. You cannot, you cannot graduate from a church school without taking this class. And if you're an institute student, you cannot receive an institute diploma without taking this class. It is what we call one of the four cornerstone classes. There are four cornerstone classes. Now let's list them, okay? Here are the four cornerstone classes that you have to take in order to graduate from any church school. One is Jesus Christ and the everlasting gospel. Makes sense, right? You're going to graduate from a church school. You've got to take a class about Jesus. Now tell me the number of pages of scripture that that course would cover. What books of scripture would it cover? Every single book of Scripture, right? If we're going to talk about Jesus, if we really are going to focus on Jesus the Christ, would you expect to read Old Testament Scriptures, New Testament, Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price? The whole standard works would be the material for that class. Now, another one is the teachings and doctrines of the Book of Mormon. Again, that one makes sense, right? You're not going to graduate from a church school unless you take a class on the Book of Mormon. We need to study the Book of Mormon. So how many pages of Scripture would that class cover? The 500. And you would expect to talk about Nephi, Alma, read from Mosiah, read from 3 Nephi. You would expect to open up the pages of the Book of Mormon. The whole Book of Mormon would be the material for that class. you agree? The third class you have to take is Foundations of the Restoration. Foundations of the Restoration. What would you expect the scriptures to be in that class? What scriptures would I cover in a class called Foundations of the Restoration? What would be my primary book of scripture? The Doctrine and Covenants, right? The Restoration the scriptures. And now, would, we, would you expect to do a little Book of Mormon in Foundations of the Restoration? Sure, but mostly the Doctrine and Covenants, the Restoration Scripture. All right, there's one more class you have to take, and you have to be in it. It's called the Eternal Family. How many pages of Scripture does this class cover? Show me on your fingers. One page. One page. Which one of these things is not like the others? That strike you as odd? An entire class built on one and not even the backside. You don't even have to turn the page over. It's one half of one piece of paper. 
in this entire class. What's the piece of paper? The proclamation to the world on the family. One piece of paper. Now tell me what that says to you. That prophets, seers, and revelators would say, we don't want anyone graduating from a church school. We're not going to sign their diploma if they don't study this single piece of paper. They put that piece of paper in the work, in, in, up against all the standard works, the Book of Mormon, the rest, the Doctrine and Covenants, and that single piece of paper. Do you see why this class is different? There will be weeks in this class where we, we cover one word, one sentence. We will wring that thing as tightly as we can to get as much dripping out, but we will study one piece of paper in this class, and we could probably study it for years and years. When that proclamation came out, I have... I don't think there's a single piece of paper, single piece of paper I have studied more since it came out than the proclamation. I have read that. I can't even count how many times. I love it. I am profoundly grateful for it, and I am continually finding new things. But do you see where we're going? We're going to study a single piece of paper. Now, not only, let me, let me say it this way. If you were a prophet, seer, and revelator and can see danger coming, if your job was to see, if you were a seer and you could see danger coming and you saw danger coming, how would you announce to the world? What are the avenues an apostle would have to announce that he sees danger? What would be your first avenue? What would you do first if you saw danger coming? It would be my general conference address, right? I would, I would speak about it in general conference. So we can rest assured that any danger they see coming, they're going to talk about in general conference. What would be a louder voice? If you wanted to yell louder than a general conference talk, what would be another avenue? That's the highest one, right? Before that, maybe they write a book. Maybe they speak at firesides. I don't know what all the avenues are, but if you really, really saw danger, what's the loudest voice the apostles could speak in? A united proclamation. How many are there? I think there's seven. I think this proclamation was number, six, number five. And then we did the living Christ, and then we just added the restoration. I think there's only seven proclamations since the church began, and the Lord called for the first one. The loudest voice the apostles can speak in is a proclamation. Therefore, what would you say is the biggest danger coming? What is the biggest danger they see coming into your lives? The Talking about the proclamation, I think the disintegration of the family unit. That, I would suggest, is the single greatest danger. Now, I would guess the greatest happiness you've ever experienced has been in the family unit, and the greatest pain you have ever experienced has been in the family unit. I know people who wait till the very end to take this class because they just don't like the subject. Family hurts. 
and yet family blesses. All the more reason to study what they see coming in terms of my greatest source of happiness, and that is family. So let me kind of outline where we're going. Let me see if I can point out how the proclamation, the major structure of the proclamation, let me do it by showing you a pattern. I am a pattern hunter. That's how I read the scriptures is I notice patterns. And when I see a pattern, it's important. How does Heavenly Father emphasize? Wouldn't it be nice if our scriptures came pre-marked? If Heavenly Father said, these are the most important verses in your scriptures, and he pre-marked them in a certain color. Not every verse is of equal worth. Do you agree with that? Not every verse of scripture is of equal worth. And the Lord has favorites. So how do you know which ones are the most important to Heavenly Father? Repetition. He repeats the most important ideas. So when you start to see patterns, I pay attention. Let me show you what I would say is a very fascinating pattern. And it has to do with our births and our families. Birth. If you really look at what happened when I was born, Birth is the process of taking something that already exists, adding something created, gaining some helpers along the way, and becoming a new entity. So let's take my physical birth, okay? The end product was me, my mortal body. Here I am with a mortal body participating in the plan. But what, what, how did that come about? What was the thing that already existed? I didn't start existing 54 years ago when I came into this world. I already existed. Something was created 54 years ago, but not this. What already existed? I was what? What was I? I was a spirit, okay? I was a spirit in Heavenly Father's presence. That already existed. And then they created my body. Who's they? My mother and my father. My mother and my father created something and then Heavenly Father added my spirit and I became a mortal body. Wouldn't you say that that's the process of birth? And as I come in, as I left his presence and was put into this body, who becomes kind of my stewards? Who becomes my main helpers through this existence? The ones who created what was created. My mother and my father. Now, may I suggest we can go back and see that pattern existed before. This is the end product of a previous one. That same pattern where my mortal body was the end product, my spirit was the end product. So I had another birth. There was something that already existed. Now this is deep doctrine and we'll not probably not dwell on it, but I have always existed. There has never been a moment in the eons of eternity where I haven't existed. I never started. And that makes sense because I'm never going to end. 
And if you can't have a, if you have no if you have no end, that means what? You can't have a beginning. So something always existed. We know very little about it, but something existed before this, and then something was created. Does anyone know what we call this? We call it intelligence, and we don't know a whole lot about it other than the fact that I am not my spirit or my body. I am that. God did not make me. I've always existed. Now, I know that's deep doctrine, but what was created? My spirit body was created. And they added my intelligence into my spirit body and I became a spirit. Who's they? Same pattern. Who's they? I have a mother and a father. To whom I was born long before I was born to Jetty and Tracy Dunford. My real parents, my true parents, are those two. If you really want to get technical, who are these two? My brother and sister. <laughs> But I am grateful that they, are, they have been my escorts. They have led me through this mortality. But those two are my parents. I am as much a child of heavenly parents as I am of Jetty and Tracy. And may I suggest that if you want to understand heavenly mother, if you want to know something about heavenly mother, you look at the pattern. You know who teaches me about her? You know who teaches me sermons? She, she's not in the scriptures to the, for the most part. But you know who teaches me sermons about her? Her. I know about my mother in heaven because I have a mother here on earth who calls me all the time. How you doing, Bryce? I'm fine, Mom. Can I do anything for you? Can I bring you some dinner? Mom, I'm fine. I heard Jen's sick. Yes, Jen's a little sick. Can I bring you guys dinner? Can I come do your laundry? Mom, we're fine. Are you sure? No, I'm just kidding. And the reality is, do you know who she is revealing to me? Do you know who my earthly mother is revealing to me? Who Heavenly Mother is? You, you know more about her than you realize. Does she hear your prayers? Is she part of the answer to your prayers? Is she a very, very active member of your life? Does she know all about you? I know that because I have a mom who knows all about me. And I don't think we realize that that pattern teaches a great deal. We don't know much about this, but I'd love to know if she carried me in her womb. 
I don't know how spirits are born to physical bodies. I don't understand that process. But I wondered, did she carry me in her womb? I am confident that there was a moment where I was their baby. I know their face. I know everything about him. I have been held on his knee and rocked to sleep. I have been read stories. I have been swung on eternal swings. I have held their hands and walked through the parks. I know their faces. I know their voices. I just can't remember. But I am part of an eternal family. And my relationship to you, you are not strangers. There are some of you I know nothing about, but I'm already connected to you because you belong to that same family with the same parents. You have so far two eternal families. One and one you're working on. Now, if the pattern went this direction, can I point out that the pattern goes that direction? How many of you think that my mortal body is the desired destination? This is what I want to end up with. This is the goal. With all the imperfections and the, break, the broken bones and the broken teeth and the broken eyes, is this the destination? Is that what I want to end up with, is a mortal body? Heavens, no. So I want one more birth. Now, if my mortal body is the thing that exists, the pattern would suggest that something was added to it. Something that was created was added, is going to be added to this mortal body, and I'm going to become a resurrected eternal body that this is going to turn that into an eternal resurrected body what was it that was manufactured and created that can possibly turn a mortal body into a resurrected body death is part of this i don't need any help to die i wish because then i could eliminate it from my life and avoid dying but I don't want to avoid dying because the only way to get there is to die. But what is added to this mortal body that will make it resurrected eternal? An atonement. Now the atonement has a mother and a father. One performed it and one administers it. And this is where the imagery is fun to play with because in one sense, Jesus is the mom, right? In one sense, Jesus is the mom because Jesus kind of gave, I mean, whose blood, whose blood brought me into this world? Hers, whose blood brings me into the next? His. So in that sense, he's kind of the mom. But in other sense, he's the dad. 
So who's his partner? Who is Jesus married to? In all the imagery of the scriptures, we present Jesus as a bridegroom. And there's a bride. Who is his symbolic and yet kind of not personal wife, but in the role of Messiah, who's his wife? Who's his partner? What administers his atonement as a mother figure? Who's his wife? The church. The church. So I come into a new life and gain a new father and a new mother. My father, I did what? Mother first, right? So I gain a mother and I gain a father. Now, for example, let me give you an example. The church has a womb out of which I was born. What do we call it? The baptismal font. Right behind those doors is the church's womb. And I am surrounded in water and come forth, born into a new existence. Now that's how the atonement starts to take effect in my life is through covenants that the church administers. So they are in partner. Christ and the church are partners in bringing to pass my eternal life. And I have a mother and a father. Now, how many eternal families do I belong to? Three. That's a sacred number, isn't it? Three eternal families. Here, I am a child of heavenly parents. I belong to an eternal family. family. Here, we form mortal families. Mothers and fathers bring children, husbands and wife. We form families. And then if we choose to, we make covenants which help us become part of this family. Now, that's the language of the Book of Mormon. Turn with me to Mosiah chapter 5, Book of Mormon, Mosiah 5. I don't know if you've ever noticed the language, but let me point out the language. Mosiah 5, 7. If you make covenants, what do you become? Mosiah 5, 7. Oh, I lost it. Hold on. Let me pull it back up so we can read it together. Come on. All right, you guys read it. Just read it with me. That's coming up slowly. Someone read Mosiah 5, 7. Anyone want to read? Please. What? What? You make a covenant and you are a child of Christ. Keep going. It gets even more specific. You see the relationship? According to the Book of Mormon, Jesus 
if I participate in the covenant, Jesus becomes my father. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is father to you? Now, the scriptures refer to things like you have to, you can become a son or daughter of God. Which family are they talking about if you need to become a son or daughter? It's not this one, right? Do you need to become a son or daughter of this family? No, I always will be. I, forever, I cannot leave that family. But if I make covenants, I can become a son or daughter of this family. So looking at, this, looking at the ways those are situated, I have an eternal family in heaven. I'm striving to make my mortal family eternal. And then I have a family of the covenant. Guess how the proclamation is organized. See if I can get this to work now. There we go. Guess how the proclamation is organized. Let me pull up the proclamation. Now, this is kind of a big picture, right? Guess how the family, guess how would you expect with this discussion, the proclamation to be organized? Which family does it start with? Tell me how the proclamation begins. We are children of that family. We are children of that family. And then it starts talking about husband and wife this family and then it talks about you want to make this family eternal you do it by how happiness and family life is most likely to achieve been founded upon the teachings of the lord jesus christ and how do we how do we hear the teachings of the lord jesus christ in his church you see how the proclamation's organized? It's a beautiful organization to realize there are the three eternal families. So let me tell you where we're going to go first. If you want to make this family eternal, and there's no greater desire I have, I want to spend eternity with my mortal family. I want to spend eternity with my wife. If I don't, then I consider my whole life a waste. Now, how can I make this family eternal? Number one, first and foremost, if you want this one to be eternal, be a member of this one. You want to be a better father, be a better child. That's where we start. You want to be a better parent, be a better child. Stop pushing him away. Stop running. Stop running from him. Stop keeping him at a distance. 
Nothing will do more for making this family eternal than inviting an eternal father and an eternal mother into your life. I just, I I cannot testify more powerfully that if you want to be a better father, a better mother, be a better child. All I can say is that if I had a daughter or a son who did not include me in their life, I would be heartbroken. If they kept me at a distance, I would be heartbroken. That's where we're going to start. Before we talk about how to make this family eternal, we're going to jump into this family. And we're going to study, first of all, how do I connect to them? And secondly, what do I learn about them as a parent that I can replicate here? Then where are we going to go? We're going to start there. Then where are we going to go? We're going to go there. I believe with all my soul that this statement is true. Happiness in family life is most likely to be achieved when founded upon the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it lists nine principles. Happiness in marriage, happiness in family life is most likely to be achieved when it's founded upon nine principles. Nine principles. Now, I think you've all done group work for school, right? Have you ever had an assignment where you had to write a paper as a group? You hated it, didn't you? (laughs) What made it so difficult? Getting a group of people to agree on how to say something. Sometimes you spend hours just discussing one sentence. How long do you think it took 15 prophets, seers, and revelators to agree on what principles make family successful? How long do you think that discussion lasted that they, ne- they, they settled on nine? There's a whole lot that didn't make the list that I can think of. Service didn't make the list. Hope didn't make the list. Why those nine? That discussion must have lasted for years to finally settle on these are the nine principles that make family successful. So which ones do we list that focusing on them will bring all the others in, right? You, can you imagine the discussion it took to come to nine principles? Now, I would suggest to you that they are paired. I think the nine can be broken down to a pair of two a pair of two, a trilogy, and a pair of two. Look at the first two. What are the first two? Faith and prayer, which tie us to eternity, right? What are the next two? Repentance and? I will never, ever, ever succeed in family if I can't say, I am sorry. And if she doesn't, Forgive. If I hold grudges, and so we're going to talk about faith and prayer, repentance and forgiveness, and then I think these three are a trilogy. 
respect, love, and compassion. I will suggest to you it's possible to love and not respect. And some of you, unfortunately, have people in your life that love you and don't respect you. Family life requires respect, love, and compassion. And then the last, tr- the last pair, work and fun. Families don't work. Families don't succeed if there isn't work and fun. And sometimes we get out of balance on one direction, right? Some families are out of balance on what side? Too much work. Some families are out of balance on too much play. And I think we've got to find a balance between those. But do you see where we're going? Do you see how this this single piece of paper is organized? If you want this one, this middle family to be eternal, we've got to tie ourselves to that family and tie ourselves to that family. And then we can make this one eternal. I bear you my testimony, you belong to three eternal families. One you can't change. The other two are conditional. Whether or not they remain in effect for eternity is up to you. Let's get good at this. The one thing we need to be good at is family. Dare I say it this way, what is the one thing Heavenly Father is good at? What is He really, really good at? Family. He's good at family. We've got to get good at family. And that is what this class is, about, is designed. I hope you are going to enjoy the ride. It is a marvelous look at how to make something that I care deeply about And yes, something that has caused me great pain. How do I make that something I want to last for eternity? I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.